Hello, thank you for joining us. My name is Matt Phillips and you're listening to One Chat Live, episode 7. So, episode 7 and and this was again kind of a result of some fantastic feedback we had from the two um, stretching uh, episodes, uh, 5 and 6. Um, the message seemed to get out there, uh, but it, incre- it kind of caused a question. So, Matt, if uh, we stretch less and we need to do more strength, what kind of strength work do we need? Now, the world of strength training is filled with misconceptions as well. You won't be surprised to hear. And the whole three sets of 10, why three, why 10? These are questions we try to answer in this episode. Um, And also the different tempos that you need to do um, uh, as uh, part of reducing injury risk in running. Um, So I hope it proves um, valuable to those of you who are starting to move away from stretching and towards strengthening. Um, as always, if you want to share any personal experience, you can find me at um, www.sportinjurymat.co.uk. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode, Getting Strong. There we are, we're live. 9.34. I like to start these like in a bit of a panic with my heart racing without having prepared much because um, I think it kind of makes it more real. Um, So anyway, thanks for joining us. Um, Not that there's anyone there now, but good news is there's been quite a lot of people watching the recordings of these. (coughs) Excuse me. So um, although I can understand Sunday morning's not the best time for you to join me, for most of you, then um, it's great to hear that, yeah, I've been getting some good feedback of people who are watching um, these recordings in their own time and asking for staff. And yeah, um, so I'm happy about that. Um, it's meant that I can take it to phase two of um, these broadcasts, which is going to involve um, inviting other people either into Studio 57 in Hove, where I am here working on Sunday mornings, or all of Sundays. Or maybe doing a dual, well, doing some dual broadcasts on Facebook as well with other people, other therapists, maybe other runners. Um, already got a little list of people, hopefully, who are going to join us. Um, sorry, I'm having to just open up my computer here to see what I'm working later on. So excuse me if I'm getting, um, don't ask again. No. Okay. Um, so yeah, got a little list of people who are going to be joining us. Hi, Nick. How's it going? I can't remember, but couldn't you while that'll do. Um, yeah, we've got a list, list of people who are coming up. I'm not going to say any names yet because it hasn't been confirmed, but I'm excited. It's great. Um, so, yeah, we'll have some news of that later on, hopefully, um, an update on who we're going to have along to chat for half an hour. Anyway, what a week. I'm all over the place, as you can see. What have I had? You've heard of four weddings and a funeral. Well, I've had the funeral... Um, but instead of four weddings, it's been trips to A&E with a split open forehead for my three-year-old. And then chicken pox the day after for my one-and-a-half-year-old. Um, I called my wife at the funeral, so it's been an interesting two days of testing my thresholds. Hi, Sharon. How's it going? Um, I'm knackered. You can probably see in my eyes. I did a, pod- not a podcast. I did a uh, web chat with uh, Chris Johnson of Zen. PT performance um, last week, um, which was really great catching up with Christopher. Um, For those of you who haven't checked out his um, new 
book yet, um, Strength Resistance Training for Runners, then obviously it's straight from my heart as well. Uh, check out Christopher Johnson, uh, Zero and PT Performance. Um, and uh, yeah, download his book. Um, I was had the great pleasure of having a look through it and it's fantastic. It's great. If I had the time and the energy like Christopher does um, to write something, then it would pretty much be exactly the same as his. Not as good, obviously, but the same content. Right, let's get to what we're talking about today. Um, Oh yeah, reps and sets. Is there a magic number? So after last week's or the last two weeks of saying or commenting on how people stretch too much, particularly runners, how stretching may not be as um, useful as a lot of us believe or a lot of websites and therapists still suggest... I've obviously got to back it up now with something else. So I thought we'd devote today's chat to um, a closer look at strength training. Because often my reason for my not being so into spending too much time stretching is it means it takes away time from strengthening. And when we look at the evidence, then that's where a lot of it lies with regards to um, reducing the risk of injury, rehabbing injury or pain and um, improving performance so it's a big area with some studies suggesting that um, strength training can reduce sports injuries by 50 percent which is a great stat i think Um, so the question is if you're watching this then hallelujah it means that you're into strength training and hopefully you're realizing that strength training is going to be part of the jigsaw um, to either reducing your pain or injury or reducing risk of injury in future or aiding your performance so happy days strength training is there but then we've got this whole confusing area of how many sets do i do how many reps do i do do i have to use weight is body weight enough now again with regards to runners in particular what sells a lot and what's easy to market a lot and so what we see the most of on on social media and dvds is body weight exercises okay they're all over the place 30 day challenges another 30 day challenge a christmas challenge a jantastic challenge and most of them because it's easy to show on video and it's easy for people to think oh i can do that at home in the mornings i don't need to go to the gym an awful lot of the exercises we see with regards to strength training are just body weight exercises now I've got a problem with this, okay? Um, because when it comes to getting stronger, whatever your motive, we'll go into motives later on if it's rehabbing or um, for, for performance or reducing risk of injury in future, to cause your body to adapt, to change, you need to provide it with sufficient stimulus so it actually your system thinks, geez, I better get stronger next time they do that. Okay, and that's a basic principle. If you don't drive your body enough in any area of life, whether you're learning the guitar, trying to speak a language, whatever, you need to push your limits so your body adapts and increases its ability next time. Um, and that's the crunch of strength training. Okay. In other words, this idea of you need to do three sets of ten, which we'll talk about in a later. Why is it three sets of 10? Why not four sets of nine or six sets of 25? You know, where has this idea of three sets of 10 come from? We'll talk about that in a sec, but 
the number one goal for me in most circumstances or the number one piece of advice is if you're going to do a strength exercise and you're expecting your body to adapt, then you have to take yourself to failure. Now that in itself is like an eye opener for an awful lot of runners who I see here at Studio 57 and Stride UK who are maybe doing their exercises, which is great. Obviously, I'm biased because they come to me because they're not getting the results they need. As is always the case, they go from one therapist to another therapist. I'm sure after me, they probably go to another therapist. Fortunately, in Brighton & Ho, there's probably 5,000 therapists now anyway, all offering different types of advice. But the number one thing which I kind of hear from people who come to me because whatever they've been doing previously isn't working, is they're doing their strength exercises, but they're not taking it to failure. Okay, now there's two reasons for this. Maybe they're not taking it to failure because they simply think, well, they told me to do three sets of 10. So I do my whatever heel lifts on the edge of a step. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, done. Have a two minute rest. That's what they told me. Do another 10. Okay, that could be the first reason. The second reason is maybe um, because they're worried about instigating pain if they're currently suffering from pain or coming from injury. Um, so they're kind of naturally, thankfully, our systems protect us um, by sending out pain. Hi, Yvonne. Um, and uh, yeah, we're wary of, of causing our body to let out pain. So we might stop at 10 reps or 12 reps because we think, oh, it's getting a little bit painful now. Only a little bit, but I don't want to you know, make it worse or damage it more. Both of those reasons for stopping your, your, your number of reps or your, in the case of a isometric exercise and not doing it for any longer, both of those reasons are flawed because they both potentially can stop you from doing your exercise to failure. Okay? We need failure to adapt. So one, do as many reps as necessary to reach failure, okay? Or do as long as you can on a isometric exercise, i.e. one which is static and you're not moving, do as long as you can to reach failure, okay? That's the first rule. Don't stop because you've reached that number or you've reached that time allocation. You stop because you physically can't do any more whilst maintaining a decent form and not putting yourself at risk. Um, with regards to pain, the research is fairly clear that in order to stimulate an adaption, in order to decrease pain thresholds, to, to help your system get back to recovery, you need to, as Greg Lehman has put it more succinctly than anyone, you need to poke the bear. Okay, you need to make your body a little bit grisly. So we're talking on perceived pain around a three, maybe even a four out of 10, depending on who you are. Um, it's okay to feel that, okay, when you're doing um, an exercise. Um, uh, because remember, the pain is not a sign that you're damaging your body necessarily. Pain is an output from the brain and it's a warning from your brain that, oh, this is a territory which I'm a little bit worried about at the moment. Have some of that pain. It's a warning sign. Okay, but the threes, even up to a four, doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing yourself more damage. It just means that you're poking the bear. Okay, it just means that you're doing enough to make your system listen, open its metaphorical eyes, and then therefore adapt. Which is why often the first couple of sets might hurt a bit, but then once you got into it, you may notice that the pain goes down 
Or maybe the second set, you've actually got more strength, less pain. These are all signs that your system is adapting, which is exactly what strength training is about. Forcing adaption on both the physical level um, and also um, um, a mental psychological level, which are both intertwined anyway. Wicked. Right. So I've just said do as many reps as you can, do as long as you can until you reach failure. Now, the research supports this. OK, but with regards to going on, imagine, therefore, there's a few problems. Imagine it takes you 100 calf raises until you actually reach failure. It probably won't be 100, it's more likely to be 30 or 40 or maybe 50 for some people. Um, there's a couple of things with this. Number one, the research actually shows that if you go over kind of 30 reps, then your reasons for fatigue are probably not just the physical ones of metabolites causing um, the muscle to fatigue and therefore recruit more units, and which is what you're trying to do by reaching metabolic fatigue. If you go to 40, 50 reps, the reason you stop probably has other factors involved, probably more of the nervous system getting involved with either one, getting bored, two, just getting irritated and tired through this repetitive activity. Um, so the fatigue in that sense, which is kind of more of a neural fatigue, has been shown to not necessarily cause the same adaptions that we're looking for with regards to motor unit recruitment and stuff. So the research kind of suggests that you want to use enough resistance which will fatigue you before 30 repetitions. Okay. Now, that means that if your body weight isn't enough resistance to cause failure by 30 repetitions, then you need to use some external weight. Okay, there's no getting away from it. Now, that might be a backpack. It might be um, holding a bucket of water. It might be holding a pet or a child, responsibly, of course. Um, but a lot of the time, especially for a strong runner, um, or depending on what part of the body you're using, this is going to mean having your kettlebell, having your dumbbells. And in some cases, especially in the case of calf training and soleus training, it's going to mean having the heavy equipment which you've got at a gym. With Achilles tendinopathies, for example, where we know the literature suggests how important soleus training is, um, your soleus muscle, which is the lower muscle in the in the calf, um, is provides an awful lot of propulsion in running. Up to 50% the research kind of shows. To stimulate that, you need to do a seated version of the calf machine, a seated version. Now, your soleus can typically take up to about half your body weight. Okay, so that's an awful lot of weight. You're not going to get Imagine you weigh 80 kilos. You're not going to get a 40k anything on your leg um, unless it's going to be a weight, a barbell, a kettlebell. OK, um, so with the case of recovering from particularly Achilles, I recommend people take out a month's gym membership. OK, hopefully you in the meantime, you kind of adjust your life and you realize, actually, I can get to the gym. I've got time and you might even continue that um, twice a week strength training um, because Again, the research is there for a lot of people that will improve your performance, reduce injury risk, etc. But definitely, if you're covering from injury or trying to get over a pain episode, joining a gym for a month. Again, there's plenty of gym memberships out there now which don't trap you in anymore. Um, you can just do your month. Um, and then if you need to get out afterwards, you get out. But that's often key to reach failure in less than 30 reps. As far as the... Um, Isometric training goes, as in holding an exercise. Imagine you're just holding yourself on tiptoe on a single leg, um, which is, depending on the stage of rehab, 
that might be a very important part of you training. Um, we'll talk about the difference between those in a second. But again, do you stay on tiptoe for two minutes before you fatigue? Probably not. Okay, again, you're going to fatigue because of um, other factors apart from physiological changes. So again, the research kind of suggests up to 30 seconds. Okay, maybe 45 seconds, but definitely less than a minute. I tend to recommend 30 because I like to keep things just clean and that's the number. Um, but definitely less than a minute. Um, so again, you need to find a fatigue. I will, PG. You need to find a, uh, a resistance which is going to cause fatigue by 60 seconds max if you're doing an isometric exercise. Again, that probably means you're going to need some external resistance of some form, a kettlebell, barbell, backpack or something. Anyway, so what have we covered so far? You've got to reach failure. Um, you want to do it by, 30, by uh, maximum of 30 repetitions if you're doing a concentric eccentric exercise up and down. Um, or maximum of a minute if you're doing an isometric exercise. Personally, as time is so valid, I tend to recommend to most people, if you're doing up and down exercises, so concentric and eccentric movement, what we call an isotonic exercise, I recommend um, reaching 10 to 12 repetitions as your max. Okay. Um, hey, look, I've got hi, John. How you go, Steve? Uh, wait, yeah, back rucksacks and backpacks. If you can't get to a gym because it's just not practical, there's plenty of ways you can create resistance around the house by using a rucksack, uh, buckets of water, um, loads of ways you can do it. So anyway, yes, maximum of uh, 10 to 12 reps if you're doing an isotonic exercise. Maximum of 30 seconds, I suggest, if you're doing an isometric exercise, which is no moving. But remember, don't just stop because you've done your 30 seconds. As soon as you can do more than 30 seconds, maybe you've done 35, maybe you've done 40, you know you have to increase the resistance. As soon as you can do more than 10 to 12 repetitions, then you need to increase the resistance. Okay, You're always pushing yourself to do better than your last workout. Sometimes you might do less. Yeah, recovery is never a smooth line. Yes, it's often peaks and troughs are going up and down. We've just got to make sure that we're heading in a going upwards that our capacity to take load is increasing okay and that's the joy of going to failure you can see yourself getting stronger don't be one of the runners that comes to me and says oh yeah i've been doing my strength training okay what have your strength increases been well no, i've just done the same kind of 10 by 10k dumbbells for the last month think about it that means you haven't got any stronger okay you need to see that plot it write it down you need to see the increase in ability. Hi, Scott Goodwin. How are you doing? Did you see me shorn by C yesterday with the little ones? Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. Oh, Jesus. Sorry, taking the Lord's name in vain. Yes, I was shattered. I wouldn't have seen you. I had them both in the double running buggy. I just parked them up and I gave what they were watching Gruffalo's Child and I just passed out with a coffee. Yeah, I know. I wasn't wearing the morph suit. Oh, God, you just reminded me how tired I am. Anyway, right, strength training, how are we doing? Um, I think I've covered quite a lot in that so far. A lot of the principles of strength training um, relate uh, particularly a lot to tendinopathy, and that's where a lot of the research has gone. Um, one thing I do want to mention, and it's another little bug of mine, I'm going to try and stay calm, um, calmer than my stretching outbreaks, there's no evidence, good evidence, quality evidence, that 
pushing, prodding, stroking, inject, come to that to injecting later on, um, sticking needles in. There's no evidence that any of this external passive treatment to a tendon can actually increase its capacity to take load or instigate long-term recovery. Okay. Now, I'm sorry if you are a therapist who specializes in rubbing thin tendons and doing cross-friction stuff and all the stuff we were taught, I think as far as I know, still is taught on therapy um, workshops and courses. Um, I'm sorry if you're an acupuncturist or a dry needler who injects or sticks needles in people's tendons with the promise that this will make them stronger. There's no evidence for it. Anecdotal, maybe. Maybe people swear by it. But you know what? Don't forget, all these people come to me and say, I've tried acupuncture, it hasn't worked. I've kind of tried dry needling, it hasn't worked. Um, I've had people scraping the hell out of my Achilles with tools and their thumbs and it hasn't worked. It was just painful. If anything, I feel worse. So obviously I've got my biases, but I see the people it hasn't worked for. Okay, And also I read the evidence. All these are junks of sticking needles in, having people rub it, having people poke it. They can bring down pain. Okay, there's no doubt about that. Not always. Sometimes you can make it worse, especially if you're instigating something to somebody which causes loads of pain. You can increase the sensitivity. And um, there's no place for causing pain on people with therapists. We'll just stick that in there straight away. If someone is giving you a passive treatment which puts you in pain, whether it's massage or acupuncture um, or cross friction therapy, if you have got an over four out of ten pain, okay, a little bit. That's fine. Like I say, a little bit sometimes is necessary. But if it's over a four out of ten and you're gritting your teeth and they're just going, I've got to do this. I'm sorry it hurts, but this is how I'm fixing you. Sorry, no, the dinosaurs. OK, we've moved on from that. OK, there's plenty of evidence to show you can't fight pain with pain. Pain is your nervous system telling you that it's not happy. OK, it might not be very accurate, okay, especially if you're ignoring it, but you can't fight it by hitting it with even more irritation. Okay, you've got to calm it down. So let's say adios to causing pain to fight pain. So anyway, yes, dry needling, acupuncture, rubbing, massaging tendons and stuff. It may well, not always, but it may well reduce pain, but it's not going to increase your load capacity. Okay, what is going to increase load capacity? Well, the research leans towards strength training okay whether it's eccentric which is uh, traditionally the gold standard which is where you are coming down slowly for example on a on a heel lowering exercise where you're lengthening the tendon and muscle together under under load that's been shown to be um well it's a traditional way of showing improvements and stimulating uh tendon um adaption and collagen increase um um, then that might progress on to concentric. Also, more recently, there's been um, heavy strength training, HSR, um, which kind of adjusts it a little bit. The original eccentric training was all about doing it five times a day, um, an awful lot of volume. That's kind of been adjusted a little bit now, suggesting two to three times a week of strength training may be better with a heavier weight. Again, reaching failure being paramount in both systems. Um, so, yeah, just bear that in mind. Um, I know there's people who have come to see me and they've expected me to use my hands to do magic things to them. Unfortunately, 
I'm the first person who's going to tell you I can use my hands to make it less painful. Um, I don't use adjuncts personally. I know other people will use needles, uh, maybe some gentle cross friction or something um, and other forms of therapy to reduce pain. Personally, I don't get involved in them. Um, I'm more of an educator. My form of treatment is giving you education and letting you know that, okay, needling might help you. If so, find someone else to do it. We offer needling here at Studio 57. I don't do it because I need my people who come to see me to know that these things might reduce pain, but they're not going to get you out of trouble long term. Okay, um, come to me and I'm going to maybe give you a little bit of massage. Um, um, I'll give you a whole load of massage if you're not an injury or you understand that it's a short term effect. Um, but essentially, I'm going to be based on looking at your activity, whether you're doing anything that irritates um, that muscle or tendon. I'm going to be looking at um, strategies to help you climb that ladder, which means increasing load capacity. Um, and I'm also going to tell you that particularly if it's a tendon thing, it's not going to be fixed in a week. Okay, it's going to take probably the best part of two months before you're fully back at your sport, whether it's running or whatever else you're doing. Um, so, yeah, I am the educator. I can live with that. I prefer that than I'm the person who sticks needles in you and gets you coming back every week because it doesn't feel good anymore. So, Senegal, sorry, I'll take a break after that. Scott's asked a question. When I dip on the dip bar, I get knitting needle type pain at the front of each shoulder. So we're doing tricep dips. As soon as I stop it, slowly stops after five seconds. Yeah, so again, Scott, I mean, it's important to tell the difference between pain and muscular fatigue. Um, and this goes for strength training as well, or coming back from injury. It's tricky sometimes, but this is the problem. We confuse pain with, with, um, with fatigue. Expressions like no pain, no gain and pain is weakness leaving the body are misleading. Okay. They're very different, um, but you have to listen to your body quite a lot and think, is this a muscular fatigue? Um, is, am I doing this? Is this happening to me because I've reached fatigue, which is a good thing? Or is this actually a pain? Okay, Kind of a needling. You use the expression where the words are so important, a needle type pain. Anything like needle or burning or stabbing or shooting. The reason we use these words and they're so important is it's kind of distinguishing that from tired overall muscular fatigue. So, yeah, I wouldn't encourage I wouldn't keep doing um, those dips. I'd uh, If it's a long term thing or annoying you, then get it sorted out. And when you are doing dips, then there is a lot going on here on the anterior deltoid and various tendons coming up here from the biceps and connecting on here in the coracoid process and stuff. So there's a lot going on there. So avoid it. See if it calms down. But, um, yeah, I'll maybe go and see someone. Hey, come down to see me. You're only in, where do you live? Da, 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 somewhere up north. Watford, that's it. Right, where are we time-wise? Um, 10 o'clock, right, how do I wrap it up? Um, there is one other thing I wanted to tell you, I'm sure. Oh, when you are doing strength training, um, particularly for rehabilitation from pain when you want to return to your recovery. I love using the ladder analogy. Okay, um, Typically, we talk about isometric exercises. There's no movement in the muscle or tendon, which is you staying still whilst you're putting load to the tendon. Then eccentric, which means we start reducing just the lengthening part of the exercise, i.e. maybe coming down uh, from a heel raise, but um, not using force to get up. Then we introduce the concentric, which is you uh, actually 
shortening the muscle under load. A lot of people kind of stop there, particularly runners, because the pain's a bit less, you can now walk okay. After that, you're still in rehab. You've still got two very important stages. The first one is functional strength, okay, which means we need to start putting in more of the actions of those muscles. Um, bear with me, that's the phone. This is good, shows I'm live. Hello, Studio 57. At what time? Ah, oh, that's strange, because uh, I don't think I've got anyone till 11. Let me just check the system, bear with me a second. Sorry, what was your name? Okay, bear with me a second, I'll just check Lionel. Okay, bear with me. Okay, looks like someone's booked in. Um, I'm sure I put a note saying not to 11, but anyway, oh, that's annoying. Well, it's not annoying, someone needs my help. Okay, well, I'm gonna sign out. Uh, yes, remember that functional exercise, um, you need to start doing some plyometric exercise. You need to start um, doing exercise which mimics um, your needs later on. If you get back into running, running will be part of your rehab. We need to do walk, run, walk, run, gradually increase it. Um, so yeah, don't think that just because you can do concentric, then you're sorted. Um, you will need to do other exercises for an, maybe another two or three weeks to give that tendon and strength the power which it needs to get back into your sport. I've got to go. Apparently someone's waiting for me for treatment. It's been emotional as always. Um, I'm signing out. Uh, spread this. I'll put it live soon. Um, spread it with your friends so people watch the recordings. Um, we may have someone with me next week coming down to have a little chat. More news about that I will put um, on my feed. Thanks so much for watching. Great to see all of you. I really need to go. Bye-bye. You're listening to Run Chat Live podcast, putting the evidence back into running injury and performance.